0: When content marketing started to seep into the mainstream in the early 2000s, the proposition for CMOs was fairly self-evident. Originally produced and rich content would eclipse the traditional 30-second spot and enable brands to get closer to the customers and reach new ones. It hasn't exactly turned out that way. While there are plenty of examples of brands that have a successful content marketing strategy, many companies continue to struggle with how to measure and monetize originally produced content. According to a 2021 A study of 126 marketers, spending on content marketing during a two-year period showed a 73% average budget increase. However, almost 60% of respondents said they have reservations about a lack of actionable insights derived from current tracking methods in determining the value of content marketing, with proving ROI, Boosting attribution and overall measurement, the biggest obstacles. It's a mixed bag with a growing onus on CMOs to enhance their content marketing efforts, generate better returns. As the ANA survey indicates, producing the kind of content that will grab your audience is much harder than marketers originally thought. Do CMOs need to blow things up when it comes to bolstering original content or take a more incremental approach to change? Here to discuss content marketing is Matthew Sweezy, Director of Market Strategy at Salesforce and partner in the Salesforce Future Lab. He's also author of The Context
1: Marketing Revolution,
0: How to Motivate Buyers in the Age of Infinite Media published by Harvard Business Review Press. Welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for being here.
0: Sweezy, just to get set the table, how do you distinguish between a piece of content marketing and an advertisement?
1: It's a trick question. I think it really comes down to one, they're both the same thing. All ads are pieces of content by definition, but not all pieces of content marketing are advertisements. And I think the biggest, easiest, direct definition is direct call to action. So typically content marketing is used to build a long-term relationship with a consumer, whereas advertising is usually designed to either kind of just simply create a greater brand by visual awareness. There's not necessarily a direct utility for an ad, there is direct utility for content. Content, whereas the content does something for the individual, it either educates them, entertains them, there's a direct utility. Whereas an ad, there is no real direct utility, but they're both quote unquote content. Do you
0: think audiences increasingly see a delineation between selling and storytelling?
1: I mean, they always have. There's always been a delineation between selling and storytelling. And I think the data proves that out, right? Anytime you look at studies for ads, ads that focus on brand at a high level and try to connect to the consumer on an emotional state always outperform those that don't from a large-scale branding perspective. So, you know, I think that consumers, I mean, hell, I mean, I even asked, I walked on the street, literally with a camera and a microphone and asked consumers what do they think of advertising. And I, and I did this in a podcast as part of my book. And I asked two people, random people. And the first person said, they hate advertisements and they said they especially hate advertisements that scroll with them when they try to scroll down on a website they, they, they're just obstructing what i'm trying to do in that moment it's really hard for me and the second just said that they think advertising is straight up evil so like you know people don't necessarily like advertising the funny thing is is that we like the ads that help to get us to the things that we like so if you have a product that you love. And the ad was the way that you found out about it. You're going to love that ad. So, you know, it's a fine line of, are there ads that consumers love? Yes. That is a tiny, 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 tiny fraction. So in terms of what is the difference between storytelling and an ad, it's the notion of one is something that a consumer wants and there is some utility and value in that. And the second is something that someone doesn't want. The only time that they do want that thing is on the off chance that they happen to actually want and need that product and didn't buy it two days ago. Okay,
0: so just to follow up real quick, of course, more and more ads need that emotional quotient, but is there a difference in terms of people paying attention and the folks you spoke to on the street in terms of just ads, whether they're defined as an ad or a piece of content, it's more that the brand has to be sincere in the message, which is perhaps a little different than
1: emotion let me go back to the prior question and then come back to this question. So I think one other difference between these two is how is the thing found? Content typically is sought out by an individual, whereas an ad is forced in front of an individual. Um, So one I call a contextual method, the other I call something that lacks context. So that's why those people hate the ads, because it stops them from the thing that they're trying to accomplish at the moment, where content by definition, if it's sought out, is helping them accomplish the goal in the moment. Um, Because it's, they wanted to be entertained, it's entertaining them. If they wanted to know an answer, it's answering the question. It has a direct value. So I think in terms of those two things, we have to be clear that when we talk about content marketing, that is something that is often sought out by the individual, whereas an ad is often forced by a brand onto an individual. So I think that's the, de- I think that's the definition of the difference here. And so one is, you know, if we're talking about storytelling and authenticity and all that, that's what's going to make that content better. I mean, resonate more. I mean, be more effective. But I think that's really the core difference between the two things is, is one is sought out one is forced.
0: In writing your book, what did you find were a few of the most common mistakes marketers make when developing and distributing original content?
1: Well, the biggest mistake is they don't understand. The biggest mistake is that we all grow up and we're educated and are still educated in a world that is based off of marketing and advertising best practices from 1970. If you graduated and you didn't learn about the four P's and you have a marketing degree, someone's probably gonna tell you that you really didn't learn marketing. And I would argue that you only learned something that was relevant at a different point in time that's not relevant to today and to your future, right? That's, you can argue with me and be subjective in there, but really from a large scale, marketing is a game and the rules are dictated by the media environment that we play in. We believe a lot of things to be marketing truisms, such as things like sex sells, no such thing as bad press. These are marketing truisms that we believe to always be true, but that's not true. They're not truisms. They were just games that were meant to be played in environments that we just happened to live in for a very long time, right? And I was able to, and there's lots of research that proves all these things are completely wrong, like specifically the sex sells notion, right? That So here's the problem is everyone was trained in these methods and, and ideas, and they believe that that's what makes good advertising and marketing. So they just, apply those same games to new methodologies when really this is a new point in time and it's a new environment, meaning we have to learn to play new games. The biggest mistake is that marketers go into not just content marketing, anything and approach it in the same way that they've approached everything else before, not realizing it's a different, it requires a different game to be played.
0: In the sense of the just models, the marketing models are just antiquated regardless of the channel.
1: Yes, so the fundamental like aspect of kind of under everything of what we're talking about here is with not on, right? So like that is the big difference here is when you're talking about content marketing, you're talking about delivering direct value to an individual for something that they're asking for in the moment versus advertising, your whole fundamental is creative prowess, right? How do I make something creative and compelling enough to get somebody to stop doing what they wanna do and get them to do what I want them to do, which is really damn hard. And it's not really a good idea because you piss off a lot more people than you actually help. The cat So like, that's the difference is is people trying to approach content marketing through the lens of advertising, of saying it's about how pretty is this thing? It's about, you know, how big is this thing? It's about, you know, how big is my brand logo? Not about, did I know the question that they wanted to answer? Did I help them answer that question? Not about like secondary goals. Okay, great. How did I create this thing? Did I co-create this piece of content with my marketplace? Because anytime you co-create, there's demand inherently built into the product. So marketers are traditionally internal operating organizations, not external facing, right? They're not trained to say, let me work with my marketplace to co-create this content.
0: I'm sorry to be reductionist about it, but, and we've been talking about this for years in the sense of too for marketers in the sense of fundamental problems, too much inside out and not nearly enough outside in. And, and when I yep. say outside in, I'm, I'm, I'm really referring more holistically.
1: Exactly right. That's specifically why I use those words with not on traditional advertising is designed to work on an individual. Mm. right? We need to find ways of how do we work with the individual, not on the individual. Content is a with method. You are working mm. with them to help them solve their common goal. You can take this even further and say, did you co-create that content with somebody, right? That's another with method. Then you look into the modern world. We're moving into a web three and say, well, then how does that even function? All of web three is, is co-creation. Like that is the underlying ben. Like that is what web three is. Mm. Like it's, and defensibility is your community. There's a lot to be said there, but that's exactly right. That's a, a major flaw that most people have.
0: And the flip side to the previous question. What, uh, in terms of uh, your book, what bubble to the surface in terms of what CMOs and marketers are doing that works and uh, for content marketing and how to put things on a sustainable track?
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot that works. So really I kind of broke this. A couple of the major things that work are number one is I sum it all up with the word context. So they focus on context. And then the next question is, well, then how do you achieve context? Well, number one is you, you kind of break it down to like, I think there's five key pillars on this, the framework that I built out, right? You've got personalization and you have to really move this notion of personalization of it's not how do you personalize a moment, but how do you work with the person to create the moment? That is the ultimate level of personalization is co-creation, not how do I replace their name in an email and send the same email to everyone. Um, so like, you know, it's, it's aspects. Who, aspects of that. It's aspects of authenticity, of knowing that you have to be authentic and no matter what you create. Now that gets tossed around a lot. And really what that means is don't just be a money hungry and a mo- just be a human, like mm. try to just be a human. Right. And maybe a marketing campaign is not where you should put your money. Maybe you should put it in your support program, radical concept. You know, So like th- those are a couple of the big ideas. Agile, like how we build marketing. Agile is a massive one. So many times we talk about marketing and people think tactics. They say, what are the new tactics? Or they think channels. What is the new channel? I need to adopt, right? Like, you know, how much do I spend on a video? Like, it's actually none of that's going to have a big impact. You need to think about how do you work? Like, how do you actually perform? How do you actually do the work? Let me give you some examples on this one. Um, and this can kind of tie back to advertising and how do we take advertising and make it into content rather than just having it be an ad. And we leverage this notion of fast. So let's just play this logic out in your head, right? Going back to the the thing I talked about earlier, marketing typically are games that are designed to be played in specific media environments. If we go back to when was the golden era of advertising, was the madman Era, which the years are 1965 to like 1975 ish. That was a very specific point in time. Media is what I classified in that point in time as a limited media era, meaning it was limited in three aspects creation, distribution, and access. To create media, you had, my dad was a print shop teacher. So it was his dad. Literally, you would learn this in school. How do I physically make media? You don't learn that anymore. Everyone has a phone, everyone can create media instantly. Second is distribution. At that point in time, to distribute media, you had to have a pre existing distribution channel, meaning you had to pay somebody to distribute that content. You had to go through a magazine, a newspaper, a radio station, or a television channel. A lot of high barriers to entry on both of those. The last is access because if all this is an analog format, if you weren't sitting in front of the TV at the moment that the TV show aired, you didn't see the damn TV show. Like you remember your childhood. I remember my childhood. Those things were true. Like kids on this channel now are like, I got YouTube. What do you mean? Like, yeah, different era. So in that point in time, we played a very specific game. And that game was you could spend three months working up an ad. You could spend six months letting that ad play out. That's now nine months of mm-hmm. one storyline. I don't care. Like it's one storyline, nine months. Let me phrase this in a different way. We live in a different point in time now. So let's compare media environments. We lived in a media environment where news cycles in the sixties and seventies were measured by days, months. How long does a tweet last? A tweet is relevant in seconds and minutes. So we have a different speed of media. Why? Because everyone now can create media. There are 8 billion people on the planet. 7 billion of them have a cell phone. More people have a cell phone than have access to clean drinking water or electricity. Let that sink in. Each cell phone can create content it can distribute that content instantly without the barriers that prior generations had. And then it has infinite access to any content that's ever been created. So this notion of we now have to think about we live in a different world, we have to work differently too. It's not just I need new channels. We have to really say, well, why am I spending nine months on a thing to compete in a world where things are measured in seconds, not months? So we have to move fast. So agile, right? When we look at high-performing marketing organizations, they all follow agile practices. You can take this to the nth degree and now you look at fast advertising, which is a methodology I co-create. This advertising methodology talks about the notion of we're not creating ads in this in the traditional sense. We're responding to the market in real time. So take the methodologies of social media and apply that to advertising and traditional methods and methodologies. And then you end up with ads like Peloton. Peloton was able to, there's a couple, right? You had the Aviation Gen versus Peloton. Then you had the Super Bowl commercial with GM versus Audi, which just happened, not this Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl prior. And then you had just recently another Peloton ad where Mr. Big dies riding on the Peloton and Ryan Reynolds comes out the next day with an ad, they literally are creating TV ready ads in 24 hours, meaning they didn't have the idea before the 24 hours, the idea was sparked, they went through full production and full creation and distribution of the ad in 24 hours. Now what has to give in that scenario production quality, Mm -hmm. let me go back to a question people ask me all the time they say Matt, how much should I spend on a video and my question is how much money did the 12 year old spend on the meme? And it doesn't matter how much you spend on it. it doesn't matter how much time. Yeah. So in this yeah. new era, speed is more important than production quality. Mm-hmm. But they have a much higher engagement than you will ever have if you spend $2 million. It doesn't matter who you hire, right? Mm-hmm. It matters, are you contextual to the point in time? The more that you can be aligned to that moment in time, and you can only do that by agile methodologies, the greater you can break through at the different type of relevance. You're not based on uh, creative prowess anymore. You're based on contextual relevance, which is a different uh, alignment to the market.
0: Okay. And always appreciate the historical perspective. And, uh, but want to stay on this notion of context, this close linkage between an individual's immediate desires and the experience a brand creates to fulfill them. Is that what's missing from any content marketing strategies? Is that the vacuum?
1: Yeah. I would love to say like, hey, here's the problem. Everyone has different problems. And so like number one is- But in terms of
0: more, in in terms of what's really pervasive in the industry, what say in terms of the aggregate, what more and more CMOs are grappling with?
1: Yeah, they need to reach context. Here's the problem. If you're a content marketer, you're tasked with creating content. You're being measured by eyeballs. You're being measured by downloads. You're being measured by clicks. You're being measured by things. I'm not going to say they're right or wrong. That's just what you're being measured by. And then most of the content sucks. I mean, I work with people, I work at a big company. We do content all the time. I'm not going to say that we're the world's best at content. A lot of people think we're great at content. Like some people think we suck at content. It's the difference is like when you make a piece of content, like why are you making it? Number two is then like, is it a consistent format you're going to do continuously, right? Is it just an SEO play? Is it some shitty article that is supposed to be evergreen that has a different thing? Or is this a content series that you're trying to engage people on a weekly or daily basis? Or are you trying to create a social channel and trying to have people follow you on a social feed? Every one of those is a different type of medium that requires a different type of execution and tactics and strategy, right? So there's no of content marketing we've bucketed in this one thing but really it's it's just how you interact on whatever medium it is. Mm-hmm. When you live in a world where we consume radical amounts of content, radical amounts of content, like just think about how many different, if you were to equate a social handle to a TV channel, just look at how many different TV channels and shows you're exposed to every day from a person just 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of exposure and access, it just changes the whole game. So we say content, what's wrong with it? I think number one is people need to realize like it's a significant investment. You got to invest a lot. Like the high performers, they invest in this stuff. I um, mean, invest a lot in this stuff um number two is you have to make sure that it's not self-serving it's not about why you need to buy your product if the article always i got onto my team the other day about this they had me they ghost wrote an article for me and they took a bunch of stuff i said and wrote up an article at the end of every like subsection it was why you need to buy our product i replied back with wrong you can't do that like don't do that no one wants to read that that is not helpful to anybody here that is self-serving and when we talk about authentic that is inauthentic you are not right, helping not. people you're selling
0: I'm sorry, Sweezy, but not only um, self-serving, but potentially alienating. Sure. Also, not to underestimate that in terms of, you know, here's some thought leadership, buy our stuff. Here's some thought leadership, buy our stuff.
1: I mean, Yeah, so let's pick on that topic really quickly. So we talk about the pros of content. It can cut exactly to that point you just had. So let me share the data with you from the research I did. This is probably five years ago, at least, that I did this research. And this is B2B marketing specifically. So why is this research important? Number one, I filtered out and only asked marketers. This is only to marketers. Number two, this is to B2B marketers. And at the time, content marketing was like the big hot child everyone wanted to be in. it was like the new thing. It was was the cool kid on the block in this world. I mean, I asked B2B marketers, like, have you ever been disappointed by content that you've engaged with from a brand? I don't remember the exact statistic. It's in the book, but it was something like 90% of or 95% of all people had been disappointed with content they engaged with. No, no, no. I removed marketers from the survey, by the way, that's what it was. I removed them. Um, So I asked like general consumers, have you ever been disappointed by content? And they said, yes. I said, that's cool that you've been disappointed, but to what extent were you disappointed? 95% of them would never engage with that brand ever again. So they found you. You spent all this. Money to write this white paper, and then that white paper ends with "buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff" at every paragraph. Mm -hmm. Those people are so turned off by you, you forget that they have infinite other options, and now they don't ever have to come back to you because what are they going to expect? The same crap that they got before, and they don't want crap, so they don't come back.
0: Yeah, no, no, it, it seems rather chronic in the industry, and I think some of this stuff, if you follow it to a logical conclusion, plays into my next question, which is in the past several years, both brands and agencies. Granted, these are global shops, Uh, set up sort of quasi newsrooms and launch production studios to create original serialized content. Some of it, frankly, very cinematic. Do you think that's the direction that brands need to inexorably move toward? And that they are, again, when you put all of this together of a piece that they need to become uh media companies, publishers, as it were. Is that where everything is headed? Is that yes, the logical yes the
1: and no? So like resoundingly yes, at the same time, resoundingly no. So let's like okay. kind of pick this apart because there's a lot mm-hmm. of nuance here. Does every brand have to understand the rigor required to create content? Yes. If you don't understand that it is a constant rigor. I think Gary V said it best. If you don't love doing it, you're gonna suck at it. And that is in specifically regards to social because of how yeah. much time and effort and energy is required, right? If you don't love doing it, right? So if your job is doing it, you hate it, you're going to suck at it. So that's number one. It's, it's a rigor. The notion that does every brand need to have like their own branded video marketplace? Like we have Salesforce Plus, right? Which is, is our own, you know, the B2B Netflix style thing. Does <laughs> every brand need to have that? The answer is no. Number one, it's extremely expensive. So number one, not every brand can. Number two is I'd say that not every, what does your audience need? Not everyone's audience needs that, right? You could simply work with somebody else or do something else. Number three is, is your topic does your topic hold enough weight in somebody's world to demand that type of that amount of content, right? Like a lot of people sell some stuff that doesn't require that, right? And they could do things in many different ways, you know? So it just depends on on the notion here. So I think, yes, you have to understand that this is rigor. Yes, this is a new model that you have to follow. Yes, you need to create work with your audience. And the last thing I'd say is don't fall into a trap to think that you have to be the one that creates it all. So you have a massive marketplace. Go back to that co-creative notion. What if you create a studio and work with all of the people in your audience, in your market to this and co-create the content. It's a win for both people. So you remove the burden of production. You pass it off to them. Y- they gain the distribution aspect from you. And it's a symbiotic relationship. So yes, we need to have the rigor. Yes, we need to think about these things. No, everyone doesn't need to think about themselves as a true media brand. I mean, like Red Bull crushed it. Coca-Cola still crushes it. Does Coca-Cola have a TV channel? No. We'll be right back.
0: Stay with us. We now take a break for a brief message regarding the A Growth Agenda. The ANA Growth Agenda plays an important role in boosting the value of the marketing and advertising industries. The 12-point plan supports a wide range of issues that are critical to the development of CMOs and marketers, ranging from diversity, equity, and inclusion, to sustainability, to brand safety. For more information, please visit ANA.net slash growth agenda. And now back to our show. I'm speaking with Matthew Sweezy about how CMOs can improve their content marketing efforts. Sweezy, how much of content marketing, successful content marketing, is predicated on hiring the right kind of talent that will more accurately reflect the content marketing toolkit? Writers, videographers, animators, people who have been conditioned on how to tell a story rather than how to sell something?
1: I don't think it's predicated on them at all. I think that the final key to a long piece, I think it has to start internally at the highest levels. If not, you're not going to get the budget. So if we go back to what a high performers do, they have a higher marketing budget than others, right? So this is going to require more money. So you've got to have at the highest levels the buy-in to this as this is the new idea. When we did the research, what was the number one key difference that high performers did than everybody else? And by the way, this was research that we did across 5,000 brands every year for five years across the globe. The number one key difference was executives bought into a new idea of marketing. That is the number one key difference between a high-performing marketing organization and everyone else. Content marketing is, is included in this. It's predicated by the executives believing that they need to have a new idea of marketing, not just a new tactic, not just a new channel, a new idea of marketing start there. Then once you work your way all the way down through the chain, yes, then you have to have people that can execute, right? But it's not predicated on, do you have those people first? They'll be cut off at the knees if they try to do innovative stuff, if you don't have those other things done first.
0: What's the danger for marketers who rely on traditional methods of persuasion?
1: Look at this S&P 500. How many brands have come in and out of that over time, right? Just in the last like five years, it's like flipped like 75%. Right? Brands come and go. If you want to stay in the top, you got to stay up with what's relevant. We need to talk about, as with everything with marketing, we need to talk about uh, measurement, mm-hmm. which as I referred
0: to in the open, it's been problematic for many companies uh, yep. with regards to content marketing, uh, perhaps more so than other marketing channels. So what do you recommend for CMOs cool. in terms of both the metrics and setting up realis- realistic expectations for those folks upstairs who are the ultimate arbiters?
1: I mean, it's this is a really hard question to answer. If you got to justify stuff, you got to justify stuff in the way that someone wants to justify that's the easy answer. So if your boss says you're gonna have to like whatever's relevant to the organization is how you have to prove your value. It's gonna be different to everybody. Some are gonna be okay with eyeballs and exposure. Some are gonna have to go to direct revenue. Some are gonna have to do ROI from the highest level. I want you to do my quick rant. From the highest level, I hate ROI specifically on content marketing, and here's why. Number one, ROI is tied to an annual time frame. How effective was this this year? But the reality is, is our marketing affects people that goes on for decades. So if we're only measuring its effect in an annual time frame, what happens when they see it on December 21st and yet they're affected next year? It's not accounted for. Um, So, you know, I hate it for that standpoint. Number two... It is assuming that the investment had to happen in that time frame, right? The, the return had to happen in that time frame. So I've really, and there's lots of other reasons, but again, PTO brain's going to jump to the weighted pipeline. Instead, I would suggest we look at a notion of weighted pipeline, which is velocity, volume, and efficiency. So we essentially look at a customer journey. And then every moment on that customer journey is a bucket. We measure the volume, how many people are in that bucket at any given time. We measure the velocity, how quickly do they move from bucket to bucket? And then efficiency. At what efficiency do they move from bucket to bucket? And we use that as the measurement it's a weighted pipeline. So we're now looking at markings effect on how many people, how efficiently are they moving through the customer journey and where are they falling out? And so now we can start to then say, Hey, great. Like over the past year, we've Sped up the velocity. People move through the, the buying cycle two days faster than they did last year. Now looking at the bottom line, we can start to predict and use these metrics as predictive methodologies to so say we now know X amount of revenue will be happening in Y point in time by using weighted pipeline. So that's my high level metric. But when you start talking about content and saying like, you know, how do we measure a piece of content? I mean, there's all different types of ways, and there really is no right or wrong. It just depends on what your boss is asking for, and that's the crappy answer. And if you're the boss, what should you be asking for? Well, you should be asking for Something that's going to help you look at customer lifetime value better. Um, you should probably, rather than just doing a simple, like, we got this many clicks, anytime you have a report, you should also probably have at least five people tell you what they thought of that piece of content. Like, have someone in your team reach out to people and ask them what they actually thought of that content. And that should come back with the report of, hey, we had 500 people that clicked. And then all 500 people thought it was a horrible experience. And if you don't follow up with that second part, you're going to think it was a great idea and put more money behind it. Um, so I think that's just, reporting's hard. There's no silver bullet there
0: it's sort of measuring content marketing. It's going to, if I understand you correctly, it's going to fall within this sort of larger brief that the marketer is going to present to the CEO and CFO, thank you, uh, in terms of the lifetime value. And does that suggest that the CEO and the CFO are going to have to, and this comes back to, I mean, this question, I'm sorry, is as old as the hills. I mean, just in terms of CEO and CEOs and CFOs, just being more patient and them understanding that we live in a new media world now.
1: Yeah, it content. Yeah, it's an investment, right? It's like content marketing is an investment in a strategy that has a long-term effect. Yeah, it can have short-term effects, but there is no successful content strategy on a large scale. Yeah, you'll see flukes. Yeah, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge was a fluke. But yeah, you won't see things like that in terms of a strategy that are, that are deployable, that are scalable, um, that are reliable, repeatable. Um, so yeah, you just have to realize it's a different ballgame. And it's really hard for a lot of executives because going back to the, how are they educated? Well, they're educated. Well, I just take 2% of my, my budget. I give it to you marketer. You make things pretty and sound sexy and people buy them. Yeah. So yeah. I don't where, that's not necessarily how the world works. And as we start to wrap up,
0: I uh, wanted to talk about personalizing content and this notion in your book of going beyond how personal the content is for the customer to how personally brands can deliver it. Oh yeah.
1: Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. It's called human to human. So the apex of personalization is human to human. Um, and thank you for giving that definition. Um, and and what does this mean? This means that if a brand tells you something, versus if your friend tells you something. We are all very familiar with the term influencer marketing. This is the exact same thing. It's one human telling another human something rather than one brand telling another brand to another human something. And that's it. And so it says, you know, if you are going to look at how do you create the greatest context, well, sure, you've got to create the content, but then the next is how do you deliver that content, right? So you need to find ways of working with your market, with your audience to deliver that content. I um, mean, whether that be that they're promoting that on social media, whether that you co-created it with them, so they're happy to talk about it on social media, whether you have some type of a program, like an influencer program where you you strategically do this. I mean, multi, many, 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 many brands.
0: And where do things go from here, Sweezy, as CMOs think about boosting their content marketing?
1: I mean, is the number one thing I can tell if you're a CMO listening to this podcast is you need to build a community. You need to realize Web3 is the next world that all brands will move into. You're going to hear a lot of cool things. There's going to be a lot of failures. We're going to go through the trough of disillusionment with NFTs in the next year or two. But the writing on the wall is evidently clear. I wrote about this in the book well before I, I knew the specific terms of Web3. It's all about community the next evolution is all about community, right? It's all about how do you work with networks to accomplish common goals? Um. So what do we need to be doing now? Yeah, look at user-generated content, but don't just be like, hey, they made a post so I can reshare it. Mm-hmm. Come up with strategies that work with your top customers, your people that love you the most, which is a small group of people, and find out ways to do things with them, to build communities, to build new products, to, to have them do your support for you, right? Start thinking about it in those ways. That's where you're going to go.
0: To learn more about your uh, book, is there a website or URL? share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, you can go to MatthewSweezy.com or you can just go to Amazon or any bookstore and pick it up or Harvard Business Press and pick it up. Okay, and we'll have
0: to leave it at there. Thanks so much to my guest today, Matthew Sweezy, Director of Market Strategy at Salesforce and partner in the Salesforce Future Lab and author of The Context Marketing Revolution, How to Motivate Buyers in the Age of Infinite Media. For the ANA Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Until next time, thanks for listening.